1: Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today for Mystical Hebrew Letters with Dr. David Sanders. And thank you very much to our co-host for today's program, Congregation Ortzion in Phoenix. Um, And hello, Andre. So nice to see you. Would you like to introduce today's guest speaker?
2: Absolutely, Alex. It's a pleasure for Congregation Ortzion to co-sponsor today's program, Uh, My pleasure to introduce to you Dr. David Sanders, founder and spiritual director of Kabbalah Experience. finds over 30 years of experience as both a psychologist and Kabbalist helping guide people to deeper awareness and fulfillment in their lives. His transformation from religious studies to mysticism intrigued him to broaden the study of Kabbalah to practical spiritual growth. Transformative Kabbalah, combines traditional mysticism, contemporary psychology, and quantum physics. It is David's joy to help others challenge their views of themselves and the world. Through study and practice, students regularly change their perceptions and choose to alter or modify their behavior, which in turn brings positive change to their relationships, community, and finding greater and more fulfilling expression and their life purpose. He is the author of two books on mysticism and language and is currently writing a book on masks, the subject of one of KE's most popular courses. David maintains an active therapy practice specializing in working with couples and families. He sees psychological and spiritual growth as a continuum of learning and becoming more aware of the, of the self and others. His creation of Kabbalah experience is a way to enter into people's lives from, from a different premise, spiritual learning and guidance that does not have a starting point of my problem. Basing the methodology of study uh, at uh, Kabbalah experience on adult-centered learning, everyone is linked in the awareness work uh, work together. The teacher becomes the student and the student becomes the teacher. David considers it his fortune to live with and learn from his wife, Rita, every day. With two sets of twins and an eldest son, life is rich for the whole family. It's my pleasure to give to you, Dr. David Sanders.
0: Andre, thank you. I didn't know I wrote that much. next, Next time, I'll shorten the bio. Let's take a moment, first of all, to recognize where many of us are today, which is probably not that much different than we were yesterday or the day before in terms of our grief, our sadness, our turmoil, our confusion, our empathy, all all of those things going on in our world um, and inside of ourselves. So I want to acknowledge that in the context of our exploration of the beauties of Hebrew, Hebrew language and letters, um, that the first, the very first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the letter Aleph. And that, paradoxically, is a silent letter. So we start with any of our language explorations coming out of silence. And then, because the Hebrew alphabet, as we'll see, goes full circle. It goes from Aleph, one, to Eleph, a thousand. From one to a thousand. It begins with Aleph and ends with Aleph. Therefore, we start in silence. And we end in silence. So let's just take a moment to be in the world of the Aleph and in silence. And Aleph, if we get to it today, we've got a lot, we got a lot of things to potentially learn. Aleph is also the first letter for air, avir for or light and i was in a meditation this morning where we were visualizing protective light almost putting a or or an aura around ourselves and whether you call this meditation or prayer but sending out love which also starts with an aleph ahava that light to encompass all those who need to be seen in a different light and also to be protected by that light so welcome to all of you mystical hebrew letters this is what we call an aleph bet key these are the these are 27 letters that comprise the entire alphabet Typically, we just talk about the first 22 letters. So people will say that the Hebrew alphabet is it consists of 22 letters. Therefore, you have all of the letters on the first four rows. Okay, those are those are the basic letters. There are five letters that change their shape, not their sound, but their shape, if they wind up being at the end of a word. So those are what we call the final letters. And although there's not really a, tri- a Jewish tradition about these letters in terms of numerology, and we're hopefully gonna to get to that topic briefly today, um, in Kabbalah, they continue the, the, the number system. And again, it's a it's a deca system. So it's one through 10, and then each letter goes up by 10 until 100, and then by hundreds. So as you can see, even in this diagram, we're moving from Aleph one all the way down to Aleph at a thousand. Um, these are the way; these are the letters in the way that a scribe would write these letters to be in a Torah scroll. These are very exacting letters. They're following actually the tradition of Isaac Luria, who was a Kabbalist in Tzfat in the in 1570. I like people participating. So Julia, and I'm going to call only on people that I know, um, but at least for the beginning. So Julia, could you read this quote from Akiva Tats? Yeah, I'm happy to read it.
3: There's a deep and wonderful idea that language was clear originally. With unclouded perception, all objects in the world are seen to speak their message clearly. An object in Hebrew is a Dabar. Right, and so yes. is a word a davar from Akiva tats.
0: So, so yeah. So, so notice already where we're starting, which is that word davar, right, or daber, which means to speak, is also the word for things. So this this connects to the idea that the Kabbalists picked up on the first verses in the Torah, which was and god said right god spoke creation into existence vayomer elohim Or. there should be light and that and that goes out through the entire story of creation so all the things that are created therefore are what divarim they are davars and the words the same exact word means to speak michael hi
3: hi uh, you want me to read, right?
0: Yeah, I, would, I would love you to if you can see it. Thank you. Yes,
3: I can see. Yes,
0: a language that we will at least
3: say what we have to say. For our words no longer corresponded to the word. When things were whole, we felt confident that our words could express them. But little by little, these things mm-hmm. have broken apart, shattered, collapsed, in Chaos. Every time we try to speak of what we see, we speak falsely, distorting the very thing we are trying to represent. Paul Oster,
0: yeah, there's there's many many quotes like this about this notion that we've had a degradation in language, and certainly today we could agree that we don't all we are not always understanding each other, let alone communicating in the same language. Um, we just read, um, I'm sorry, we're, we're just about to read the, the story of the Tower of Babel, Bavel, Babylonia, but this is at the end of the Torah portion of Noach, and in it, it describes that language got fragmented. Language got dispersed. In one way is to say that they just spoke different languages, but the other is to say that even if they spoke the same language, they no longer really were communicating. So I wanted to give just a quick example of what we mean by a intrinsic meaning in language. The modern linguists, starting with Chomsky and moving to Foucault and Deirdre, I I was a linguistics major at one point, um, uh, have pointed out that language has no intrinsic meaning, but that is what the Kabbalists in particular, but also other uh, traditions within within Judaism have highlighted that language does have intrinsic. Uh, When my family uh, and I visited Hawaii, a little while ago, um, we were out on a boat and I wanted to learn a little Hawaiian while I was there. And one of the questions I asked our guide was, "What what is the word in Hawaiian for tree? And there are some really beautiful trees, unusual looking trees in Hawaii including that amazing banyan tree that somehow survived the horrific fire on Maui. And I remember seeing that tree specifically when we visited. So he explained that the word for tree is kumu la'u. La'u means plant and growth, but the kumu that's uh, connected to it means teacher. That means that tree in its root meaning its intrinsic meaning is teacher. That's Hawaiian. I don't think that there were too many Jewish or Hebrew speakers that wound up, wound up on the island of Hawaii. Um, so it's, this is one of those Joseph Campbell moments where we see a beautiful confluence between two languages that I would suggest never met. What is the Hebrew word for tree? The Hebrew word is etz, etz ayin tzari, eights. Many of you may not have made this connection, but here's a beautiful connection, which is that the word eights, which is, which is masculine, is connected to the feminine Etsa, which means advice. So here we have a beautiful juxtaposition of a root understanding of these of the of the word tree in these two languages: one meaning teacher and one meaning advice. If you were in class with me more time, we'd have a whole discussion about what what is the advice that the tree gives us, um, and it's replete in Talmud and Midrash and in Kabbalah about what. The, how is the tree our teacher? How is the tree giving us advice? Now, it's not just the meaning of a word. Some of the beautiful teachings come from the shape of the letters that form the word. So here we have the letter pay. Okay, so just to remind you, it's right over here in the center, in the middle of the of the alphabet key, it's um, equal to 80 in numerical value. As I said, hopefully we'll have some time to touch on that. But for the moment, we're just looking at this letter pay. Um, What do you notice about it? Can anybody just offer a little something that they notice about this letter pay?
4: it could look like a mouth
0: who said that
4: uh me christopher benton
0: christopher wonderful yeah now did you already know that the letter pay means mouth
4: yeah but i hadn't thought that much about the uh, shape of it looking sort of like a head with a, a mouth and of a mouth
0: beautiful so here's here is a here is you know When we study Kabbalah, we're really looking at, uh, among other things, we're looking at what is not necessarily seen. So we're trying to connect ourselves with aspects of unseen reality. Someone could just look at at, at any alphabet and say, yeah, it's just, it's a convention. It's a way for us to string together some letters, to make words so that we can speak and signify things. But here we're gonna go a little deeper into this and thank you so much for volunteering that. Um, does anybody see anything in the white no. space? Yes, uh okay. Rosalind. I see a bit, a vit in inside the pay. Okay, so I just want to make sure that everybody is on the same alphabet page. Here is the letter bet in black. It's it's mm. the second letter after the olive. Notice mm. its shape. Now we're heading over here. And Rosalind has pointed out that there is a white bet inside of the letter pay. All right, I unfortunately, if I have this up, I cannot see everybody on my screen, but would anyone wanna offer a potential reason why there's a white bet inside the letter pay? I will. Sure.
4: Uh... With our mouths, uh, we can uh, say a bracha, a blessing.
0: Absolutely beautiful. With our mouths, we can say a lot of things, right? Including mm-hmm. blessing. Right. But the letter bet represents the very first letter that we speak. It's the first pronounceable letter. So therefore, in a way, it's what is it doing? It's representing all of language because all language is inside of our mouths and isn't it god who spoke
3: with anthropomorphically his mouth or her mouth the
0: world yes um who who, uh, i can't see who said that who said that my name is fia 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 hello fia well you should know something about the pay or the fay because it's fear so um Mm. so in kabbalah there's a beautiful teaching which is that surrounding the bet of bereshit right in the beginning is a white pay the mouth of god do you see how that fits with what you just said so so david
3: one of the things that what you're saying is bringing to my mind and and I think it's kabbalistic, but don't hold me to that. That when you look at the Torah, the black letters are the human part, if you will, and the white space is God's Torah. Uh,
0: there's a beautiful teaching by Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev, um, who wants to suggest just what you just, what you said. He was a Hasidic master, uh, but there's a, there's a more general statement both in Talmud and Kabbalah. It says. And we're about we're about to look at this that these letters are black fire on white fire that's what it that's what the phrase is called
4: so, David yes if I can also throw in the well the the Torah the creation story it begins with the letter bet right a and uh, and of course the next word is bara <laughs> to create which begins with the letter bet and so this you can i can make a connection that it's with our words with our language we create in a sense the world that we view
0: yes and, and christopher thank you so much for that and what's flying around your head ser- <laughs> serendipitously
5: <laughs> is, is,
0: is where we're about to head in terms of this teaching oh. um, Now, I I can't see everybody's hand, but Francie, I see that you're raising your hand.
5: Yeah, I was also going to say that the double lesson for the letter bet is foolishness to wisdom. So with our mouth, we can speak Narshkite, we can speak foolishly, or we can speak with wisdom. So being the mouth of God, having that polarity is... Also interesting.
0: Yeah. To to highlight absolutely beautiful and to connect with what you just said, there's a there's a teaching which says one should not be duplicitous in their speech. Don't speak with two mouths. Right? So we have to be careful. I I I love the comment which is it represents blessing, bracha. It it is the beginning of Bereshit Bara, and now this other interpretation. But I want you to notice that this is not accidental, right? In other words, we're creating a pictogram, a picture, not, not drawing a face with a mouth on it, like a hieroglyphic. We're creating an abstraction, an, almost an artistic abstraction, that holds within it so many different layers of understanding. Keep your eye on Christopher Benton's background (laughs) as we move to the next piece. But first we're going to take a little, actually you know something, Christopher you're there so I'm just going to go for this right now. So one day I decided to go into a class of children. Uh, This was one of their like a Sunday, Sunday learning class and I brought with me all these cutouts of the Hebrew letters and I wanted them to do a little art project to put letters together and I had prepared this one particular project which was to take the letter pay and as you see I've mirror imaged it and from it to create butterflies. Oh. Now, Christopher be so kind as to read this piece from a nine-year-old boy.
4: Okay. The Hebrew letters? I guess they are alive. Once people speak them, they flutter out of their mouths. Alive like butterflies. That's how they are. They don't see walls very well.
0: Uh, yeah. So you can imagine um, that that stopped me in my tracks. Um, uh, I could have said, all right, the class is over. Um, But instead, I pulled out the letter pays and we made butterflies and here are the butterflies. This is just a beautiful demonstration of how the butterfly comes out of the letter pay. pay. Uh, Do we have any Hebrew speakers here? What's the Hebrew word for butterfly? Par. Okay. Okay. Here is the butterfly wings. And by the way, this word comes from the meaning to flutter, par par flutters. Okay, I hope that that was an ex- uh, one example or another example of what we're trying to examine and look at and observe the the, the uh, fascination with these letters and the language. Um, someone mentioned that pe, pe means mouth. It wouldn't, shouldn't be a big surprise then that the word for language itself is what? A shin or a sin and a peh. A peh. So it's safa. Safa is the Hebrew word both in the Torah text and also in modern Hebrew. Safa. Language. <inaudible> but, but the word safa means three things. Lip. Your lip. It also means language, as we just said, and it also means the shoreline. I'm going to stop the share for a sec so I can see see more of you. And those who aren't on, please do join so I can see see you. Actually, if if if, and I I, mean, I know there are plenty of reasons not to be on your video, but what do you what do you think? When you, when you hear those three words together, shoreline, language, and lip, where does your mind go to try to connect them? Hmm. Because they're all the same word.
6: The shoreline is a liminal space that divides the earth and the water. And your mouth and the lips can issue forth good or bad words. It's another type of a liminal space or a potential liminal space.
0: I, I really like what you're suggesting, Martin, with just one caveat, which is that I don't know if we have to go to the to the idea of the good and the bad, but it's certainly a liminal space between what is unspoken and what is spoken, whether, whether that be good or bad. So I, I, li- I like the idea of the li- liminal means an in-between space, right? So when Martin started speaking, I had no idea what he was gonna say, but then he started speaking and now I know what he's gonna say. So the the peh, therefore the language, crosses the shoreline um, and Aglaya, I'll be with you in one second, um, but there's a Midrash that says, that the saliva in your mouth is like the waves, the foam of the waves crashing on the shore line. (laughs) What what a a beautiful description, right? Yes, uh, Aglea, if that's how you pronounce your name, and if, if I'm not, please correct me
3: that's right. Okay, actually. No, that's exactly what I was about to say, though. the shoreline, the flowing and the waves and everything like that. Um, that's kind of what it looked like to me.
0: So Beautiful. Let's also keep in mind the, uh, another difference here, and that is between something that is, you know, the depth, the ocean, the water, and something that manifests and it's on land. right? Just like we were talking about language. But also the shoreline represents a boundary. And is, la- is language not a boundary? I need to learn how to speak your language, right? If you are, at least in the United States and you're traveling to Montreal, all of a sudden you realize I'm in a different place with a different language. So just like there's a boundary at the shoreline, there's also a boundary that's created by our language. Uh, Push the pull of the tides, thank you. All right. Uh, And again, I see that there are a lot of uh, things in the chat, but I'm not looking at them yet. So please bear with me. All right, back to our... Presentation here, so we went through and saw the butterfly. Uh, um, I want to introduce you to a, a a book that is actually not not in in its in its origin. It's not it's not a book from Kabbalah. Kabbalah actually did not start as a formal school of thought till the 12th century. There was Jewish mysticism and meditative techniques and interesting ideas of cosmology well before the start of Kabbalah. But it was a different, um, it, it went by, by different names and it was also a, a different focus of Jewish mysticism. This book, which was likely written in the first century, comes from that tradition. And it's called Sefer Yetzira. Um, this is the edition that I would certainly recommend, although there are many other editions that you can purchase. Um, it's uh, it's named here the Book of Creation. It really should really be translated as the Book of Formation. But Sefer Yetzirah focuses on two things. And again, this is coming from the first century. It focuses on something that will later be developed into something called the tree of life. And yet again, Christopher Benton it draws <laughs> our attention next to the butterflies. There's a beautiful, kind of 3D-ish, which I like, mm-hmm. um, pictur picture of the tree of life. This is not our topic today. Um, we have we have an entire year that we spend on on studying this. Uh, but also a first introductory course in our first year of study. But I just wanted you to be aware because the next piece is going to be interesting about how the letters got connected to this tree. So you notice by, in this diagram, there's a flow. This is what we call the flow of energy from the infinite down to the finite. Here's where... We, we see things manifest in this world, in this lowest sephira. But here, and this is coming from Sefer Yetzirah, the 10 sephirot and the 22 channels. Now, in, in, in Sefer Yetzirah, it doesn't mention where they are. This is a later development, as I said, in Kabbalah, already a uh, beyond the 12th into the 13th century. But you notice here are the sfirot, and there are pathways that are connecting them. And the ones that are connecting them are the 22 Hebrew letters. This makes for the total of the opening statement in Sefer Yetzirah, which is with 32 pathways, did God create the world? So there's the energies And then there is the code, the letters. Uh, These are short ones, so I'll read them myself. All of reality is formed through the engraving, carving, weighing, combining, and switching of the 22 letters. This is from Sefer Yatsira. And in chapter 2, 22 letters of foundation. There are three mother letters, seven pairs, and 12 simple letters. And again, we're moving quickly through this, Um, so I apologize if this is a lot of information, but I did want to give you just a little sense of the breadth and the depth of anyone who is interested in studying the Hebrew letters and language. Um, This was a little project that I did with kids too. Um, You'll see why, because the horizontal channels here, which are really the, what holds the structure together, right? Um, Those horizontal are the mother letters, the Aleph, the Mem, and the Shin. Those are the three mother letters. Actually, all the letters started in the letter Aleph. We go back to where we started this talking, which is all letters emanate from not the mouth, although that's the bet, but all letters in a different way, they come from the silence. In fact, I, I realize now I have, I have in my office uh, a print by David Friedman from Tzfat, where he also, if you can see it highlights the three mother letters, Aleph, Mem, and Shin, Avir, Air, Mayim, Water, Aish, Fire. Just another couple of words on this piece. The letter Aleph is the code for breath. With them was formed air and space, temperate in time, and the chest in the human. Notice in that tree of life, the Aleph was in the center, right? It was the center horizontal line. The letter men, which is on the bottom, towards the bottom, is the code for water. With them was formed earth in space, summer in time, and the belly in humans. And finally, the shin, which is on top, is the code for fire. With them was formed heaven in space, winter in time, and head in the humans. And finally, well, I, I mean, I, I guess I should ask you, do you want to stop there? We could have plenty of questions, I'm sure. Or would you like to hear a little about the gematria, which is the numerology aspect of the Hebrew letters? Who would like to get a very quick um, introduction to to the numerologies? Okay. All right. We're heading there then in that case. Gematria, please. All right. Here we go. So if you remember way back when on the very first slide, I'm going to quickly go back there. You noticed that each of the letters has a corresponding numerical value. Let's just take the word Beged, Bet, Gimel, Dalet. What is the numerical value of that word? So how you, how, you, how you calculate it is the Bet is two, the Gimel is three, the Dalet is four. Four plus three plus two is nine so the numerical value of that word that means clothing is the is the number 9 so every every hebrew word has a numerical value arabic by the way follows a similar system i don't know if any, i don't think any other language has a numerical system connected to it and i know that some people will say well what about latin well, yes, there are letters that are associated with numbers, but it's not a it's not a numerology system, and it's not a gematria. And gematria, by the way, is Greek for numerology. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, I'll tell you why I'm going to be asking you this question shortly. But the Hebrew name for Eve is Chava. If we go back for the name Chava, if you can remember the letters, there's the Chet eight, the Vav six, and the He, five. Eight plus five plus six for a total of nineteen. Correct. All right. So when my, I should say when our when our daughters were born, we have identical twin girls, and what you name a child has extreme significance. In a way, we could, from the Kabbalistic perspective, it's it's the, our name is our code. We're certainly part of it. So since I, we were having identical twin girls, my wife named, picked the English names, Eva and Isabel. And I wanted to find a Hebrew name for Isabel that equaled 19. And fortunately, this is what popped up for me, which is the name Zahava, which means gold. Okay. So if we would go back to that Aleph Bet key, you would see that the Zion is five, the hay is, I'm sorry, the Zion is seven, the hay is five, the vet or bet is two, and the hay is five. So five plus two plus five plus seven. Christopher. It's 19. All right. So we've got two little girls to be born and named. Different Hebrew names, Chava and Zahava. But their DNA, their underlying structure is 19, is the same. Now, where this inspiration came from, I'm not sure exactly. But if you look through the entire Torah, it's an extremely rare phenomenon that phrases are repeated verbatim. In other words, the exact same phrase is repeated. But there is a phrase that is mentioned by the vestments, the clothing that the high priest wore. And it said that on the hem of the high priest were golden bells shaped like pomegranates. That's the description. Golden bells shaped like pomegranates. In the Hebrew, it's pa'amon zahav rimon, pa'amon zahav rimon. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate. There was a whole debate whether there were pomegranates in gold and bells and, uh, or it was a bell that was shaped in in the style of a pomegranate. Their middle names are chava rimon, Eva pomegranate, and Isabel is Zahava Pamon Golden Bell. Okay, so that's a very quick introduction to how gematria works. Um, it works for lots of other things, not just names, of course. Um, and it happened to be that this is what this is why we call our our organization here Kabbalah experience because one time someone came in and said I think I've had one of those I've had a Kabbalah experience <laughs> so here, here, was, here was my Kabbalah experience regarding my daughter's names so they were born on June 17th um, which was a Friday it is customary to go into synagogue and name your ch- name your children in public so that everybody should know what what is your what are your children's names? What are we going to call them? Now I have siblings uh who live in New York, and Israel, and they all wanted to know what was the Hebrew name that we gave our daughters. So I told my first my brother in New York, Chava Rimon and Zahava Pa'amon, and I explained to him how I came to those names because of the little bells on the hem of the high priest. And my brother says to me without a a skip, David, are you aware that three days ago, this past week, three days ago, they found for the first time a tiny little golden bell in the shape of a pomegranate in a sewer in Jerusalem. And they've dated it back about 2,000 years ago. and that little pomegranate now sits in the Israel Museum. Um, I had I had a picture of it because they made facsimiles of it and I bought my wife one which she proudly wears to hold next uh, you know next to her heart the connection between our two girls who are now 12 years old, um, Zahava Paamon Zahava and Chavarimon all right that was a very quick uh, entryway into the mystical Hebrew letters and I let me just see what time it is we've got I wish we had 22 minutes but we only have 12 <laughs> um, so we have 12 minutes Are there any questions or or just comments that you would like to share um, that have been stimulated by this discussion? Uh, And again, um, I can only see if you're on screen, I can see you raise your hand if you're not. There's there's multiple screens here, so I may not be able to see you, but uh, Francie, I see. Okay, Francie, I see your hand up. Martin and Mallory, let's start with those three first. So Francie, go ahead. What
5: other letters, I know that you mentioned there was black on white and white on black. How many of the Hebrew letters have letters within letters? Most of them, just some of them?
0: Uh, Not most of them, but I work with a graphic artist (laughs) and we have created some rather interesting um, white-spaced images.
5: Whoa.
0: So these these are 10 yuds, yud equals 10. And I was just playing with them and out popped this person. Now, as as a whole diagram, It's interesting itself, but I don't know if you can see this, but on the inside, there are some really interesting shapes. Do you see the candle on top?
5: Uh, I can't really see.
0: All right. Well, yeah, I don't know how this translates, but there's a candle on the, in the negative space. Okay. So anyway, so the short of the answer is there are a few letters that have in their white space, actual, maybe not other letters, but definitely shapes.
5: Right, right. That
0: are that are um, interesting. And in the same way that the bed is inside the pay, it tells something about that.
5: Yeah. I just wondered okay. if there was any other one that came to mind that was um, that.
0: Yeah. The letter, tet, the letter Tet, for instance, has a little baby inside of it. Okay. Which represents the Tet nine or the nine months of pregnancy. Oh. Okay. All right, we've got a lot of questions here. Um, who did I say was next? Was it Mallory?
1: Mallory, I think. Then Martin. Then Suzanne.
0: Okay, Mallory, you have to unmute.
1: Um. So when you say that Aleph is code for breath, what does that mean?
5: Does it is it like like pay means mouth, or is it different? What is the code aspect
0: of it? So each of the so in Sefer Yetsira, there's a there's a huge discussion about how God took each of these letters and with it created the elements, created um, things through the code. And we'd have to have a little more time to explain what we mean by code, but that's really what that's about. So when I say the pe, the pe, the pe letter represents, because all the letters are based on pictograms they're coming from something, right? But when we say that it's the code, it means that that letter is an energy that finds its way into many different things, including, and maybe I'd say even foremost, into light and breath. In the physical body, it's breath. So our breath work connects to love, to light. That's really what energetically we're talking about.
6: Okay, um, Martin? It seems that one of the problems with Gematria is that it is thought to be predictive or prophetic. That is, if you had the certain sum of letters that you could find an equivalent phrase or series of words that would have the same numerical value and therefore they were joined together. You can find many, many, many different combinations of letters that would have the same numerical. So its prophetic or predictive value seems to be um, a bit tarnished. Can I say? The yeah. other the other question I have for you, I'm not sure if it's a Kabbalistic, or a or a Hasidic, um, Midrash that the power of the Hebrew letters themselves are so profound that if you unscroll a Torah and simply run your finger across the letters, that you get the same spiritual nourishment as if you were reading and understanding the words.
0: I do not know that. I I don't know about that one. Um, I also know that typically we don't put our hands on the scroll but so th- so therefore, I haven't had that experience. Um, I will say though that uh, do you know, remember the young man who said that the le- the Hebrew letters are like butterflies? Yeah. His cousin, when he came up to read the Torah, said, "Oh my gosh, these letters are on fire."
6: Yes. <laughs>
0: um, so you know, so let let's let's leave that open as a question, Martin maybe maybe so who knows all right Suzanne
1: yes I so when we were talking about bet and pay I so to bring us back to that conversation what what struck me was that they are made in the same way with the two lips coming together um the the bet with the vocal sound with the voice that comes through and the and the pay um without the vocal sound coming through so I think that it's interesting that the the letter pay encompasses the bet but what's missing is actually the sound of the voice where we only get the sound of the breath
0: yeah nice um, they're both labials right they're 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 lip letters right Buh, uh. mm-hmm. um thank you uh is it tia or thea thea okay thea hi
3: hi i um i'm a teacher and um a hebrew school teacher and i had my seventh graders and we were working on the we're studying talmud the talmudic midrash about moses in the akiva's classroom with why are their crowns on the letters Mm -hmm. yes and so i
0: I, Mm right
3: right so i printed off the first for the first couple of lines of bra sheet where the letters were just outlines and i asked them based on the definition of the words to create that definition with the letters nice so so they took so for, for a quick instance they took or and drew lights coming out of the crowns of the letters So I think that that, you know, when you were talking about what you had the kids do, I was like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that I was going to meet a master of teacher
0: of letters. And that's what I had the kids do yesterday. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely beautiful. Um, And keep going with it. The the kids will produce things or say things (laughs) that we might not really ever get to. All right, Um, Christopher.
4: Yeah, uh, this is in response to, I think, the comment uh, I think Martin was saying. Uh, When I use gematria, I don't use it in any sort of fatalistic, deterministic, fortune-telling sort of way. I don't, for instance, conclude that God is a dog since they're spelled with the same letters. But I I use it to uh, stimulate my thinking Mm -hmm. and to help make meaningful connections that I might not make otherwise. And the the central thing to me is that it should be meaningful, at least to me. a good example of that is years ago, I was looking at the word Shalom in Hebrew. And I noticed that the middle two letters are Lamed Vav, which add up to 36 and make me think of the the Lamed Vav Zadikim, the, the 36 righteous ones. Uh, for whose sake the world continues to exist. But that led me to a meaningful uh, epiphany that you can't have peace unless it has righteousness at its core.
0: Beautiful.
4: There has to be a certain amount of righteousness on both sides, as in conflicts we have now. Beautiful. But when you do have that righteousness, what surrounds it? Uh, Sheen, Mem, sham the name. When you have righteousness at the core, then the name of God surrounds you and you have peace and wholeness. So that was just a, a meaningful uh, thought that came to me. But it's only because of Gematria that I was able to make that connection.
0: Beautiful. And um, what a beautiful place to end. A mm-hmm. peace. Um, by mm-hmm. the way, you know, we light 36 candles on Hanukkah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's also in the in the center. to creating that light in the darkness. We, what we need to illuminate, right? That's what the thirty six tzaddikim these these saints who hold together the whole world. That's what they do. They illuminate
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, the name, and they illuminate because it's not just shame. It's also shum. There. There. Right? Yeah, and so it's it's both of those both of those uh, beautiful beautiful idea. Um, if you don't mind, Christopher, I'll, I'll quote you on that one. All right, feel um, free. <laughs> very very a pleasure to be with you today. Again, just a moment of reflection and silence um, for how challenging our time is, and. Um, Through our breath, as Mallory said, olive breath, we can also send out some light. So on the in-breath, we take in the light and on the out-breath, we spread it out.
1: Thank you so much, David. That was a wonderful presentation and thank you all for joining and engaging with us. Before we leave, I just wanna let you know about two great programs we have coming up next week. Um, On Tuesday, the 24th, we will be joined by Rabbi Mary Zamor for highlights of 50 years, uh, 50 plus years of women in the rabbinate. And that'll be in person if you're in the Phoenix area or on Zoom if you're not at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And then on Thursday, we have uh, Mako Mashmelon, a survey of Yiddish art song with Anthony Russell at 1 p.m. Pacific on Zoom. So hope you can all tune into those as well.